Man, that was a nice, quick two-hour recording. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It'll probably get cut down, too. <laughs> I think this one. Because of our... Yeah, this um, one. I think we're definitely... Fushnik and... <laughs> or the Rhymes thing. No, I think I'm going to keep it in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with um, John um, mistakenly calls Busta Rhymes the bigot. <laughs> Welcome to the Papa Culture Podcast. I'm John. I'm father to Malcolm, who is one year old. And for the past week, I've been bumping Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do. But I'm over it. Okay, not really. <laughs> I'm Anton. I'm father to Ginny, who is three and a half, going on 18. And Ellis, who's now 11 months. And uh, while I think it's super cute that Ginny can now sing along to like pop songs... I get really nervous when the word like sex comes up in the lyrics. Right now she's not really saying it, um, but I know that day is coming and I'm dreading, you know, the inevitable question of uh, what it means. So yeah, I'm just counting down to, until that day. To which I will say, oh, you should ask me mom. <laughs> good call, good call. <laughs> Right, so Anton and I have known each other for almost, actually over 20 years now, and we spend our time on this podcast talking about all the pop culture that we love, continue to love, or just might not really be into anymore now that we have our new fatherly perspectives, or we're just getting older, I need you to get off our lawns. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. So what's up, man? Nothing, man. Nothing. This uh, it's been it's actually been a pretty fun week. Um, yeah. at least for me, because mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys had noticed the feed, uh, we posted uh some a different type of content, a different type of show. Um, and it's basically a a radio mix show. Uh. Uh, that I did um, just one night I was thinking back on kind of what my summers were like back in the 90s when I was in like high school maybe just out of high school and um, kind of thought about what it would be like to just be like cruising down Mission Boulevard or something like that mm-hmm. um, all the way from Fremont to Hayward and just kind of what songs would be would be playing. So yeah, yeah. that's what that that's what that mix was. Um, again, we're just trying it out, just seeing if people kind of like vibe with it. Um, I got a pretty cool message from my buddy James Lantayao, who has his own podcast called Business of the Impossible. He's an actor mm. down in L.A., and uh, his podcast is about. Uh, kind of his experiences kind of being an actor and you know doing that hustle and he brings on lots of guests 
um, his friends that are kind of in that uh, hustling with him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he's a barista at this hip coffee spot. Uh, I think it's in Echo Park or Silver Lake or somewhere down there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So he sends me this message at like 9 a.m. when it first posts. And then he's like, dude, I'm loving this My, uh, my 90s Summer Mix. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty cool. But... The mix was dope, man. Oh, thanks, dude. I was I was legit like I wanted I w- I was just curious to hear what songs you put on there. But that definitely hit on some of my favorite tracks from that era. Like what? All the Black Star Most Deaf. Um But I think the actually, Black Star is probably like 2000s though like right that no no no. Quite... no no that was 97 oh was it yeah because oh, uh 97 98 because that came out um yeah it, i bought that cd at the warehouse in davis oh nice and, and so it was definitely before 2000 um i mean there was a few songs on there that was 2000 but whatever yeah that was, was... We'll, we'll let it slide it's still part of the era it just kind of bleeds yeah, into each other. I thought it was cool that you started with started off with Rasco though. That's that's a track that, um, like, when I would make mix CDs back in the day, I actually started with Rasco because I just love that, um, that like little four, uh, that four bar intro, and that just goes into that like really dope beat. Yeah. Actually, I really appreciate you started with Swinger, uh, a quote from Swingers. <laughs> Sweet. Because that was definitely that era. That's my, that was my favorite movie for a long time, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, as it's, I it's kind of went, favorites, yeah. yeah, when I went into kind of film school, that like, that was the kind of movie <laughs> that I, that I'd love to make. Just like the, about friends and, mm-hmm just kind of the hustle of trying to get a girl and you know that's great man it's a pick me up uh definitely pick me up movie all the time i was gonna use uh, the quote where they go out a little bit later that night and then um trent and sue are telling mikey that like he's this bear and the girl's like a bunny and then that you know, fang. Like you've got, oh, yeah, claws. you got these claws, you got these fangs, and you don't know what to do. You just got to kill the bunny man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was way too long for an intro, so I just like you know, let's take it back to that NHL, NHL ninety four or ninety five, yeah. whichever one it was. Yeah, you know, it's funny we were trying to figure that out. You know how um, the old NES came out, so we had an access to some emulator stuff. So we we're trying to figure out which NHL game it was that you could fight and bleed. We couldn't figure it out, so it's probably ninety four, ninety five. I definitely had that on, but that was Sega, though. Yeah, that was Sega. Yeah. Backups. You just had backups of you know for research. You know, and I did. <laughs> I do remember playing um, with the offsides off. <laughs> And it was hella easy. And no icing. And no icing, yeah. Like 
and I would be the, uh, you know, I think at that, at that age, I was like really identifying with, you know, kind of being Filipino American, Asian American. So mm. I picked the Islanders, New York Islanders, because it was like the islands. Yeah. But it's like totally not. Even, totally not the yeah. same island, kind of islands. No, nah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a, it was a, it was a really dope mix in terms of songs. And then also like the, the cuts were great. You know, actually any, any mix from that era that's going to include ring the alarm is going to be one of my favorites all the time. You know, do we get mad at the Fushnikins for their cultural appropriation? <laughs> I think at the time, I was thinking, I always think about that in the Wu-Tang now that we have uh, more nuanced ways to think about culture. Yeah, dude. But but back then, I know we were hell excited about it. Like, oh, shoot, we're finally being recognized in in the pop culture that we're into. Yeah, and that's they weird were, because like we're, we're like we're Filipinos. So that's not even really representing. It's just right. That's the know, closest thing. Yes, yeah, the closest thing, right? Like fucking kung fu movies and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out kung fu theater channel twenty six or was it mm-hmm. channel twenty? Yeah, twenty six. Twenty six Saturday night. That's what's up. Yep. Did Did you have the Fushnikins album? Did you I have it? no, I I only knew, I only, I only listened to the songs that pretty much were on the radio. So that and Lost Move and Real Fushnik. Yeah, so I had that album, or at least a buddy of mine had it, and we would listen to it all the time. And then you know how albums back in the day, and maybe even some to the, you know, maybe <laughs> some now they just have those like intro, outro, talking, mm-hmm. random stuff. Yeah. And there was like, you wonder if you listen to that now. It's like, is that racist? Oh, it probably I mean, is. I don't know. Too. It probably is, but yeah, I'm I'm sure that some of our favorite MCs back then, you know, saying certain things was hella racist. Like, um, well, I should say hella bigoted against, um, like the F word, the the three the well, three the three letter well, F word. That's an issue. That you have to deal with with hip hop, you know, like no matter how conscious, quote unquote, conscious the rapper is. Yeah, that's true. That, you know, toxic masculinity thing is a whole thing. But in terms of, okay, so I'll give you an example. Um, I didn't realize it till I think after college, but you know, in the scenario at the end, um, Buster Rhymes is the last. Yeah. You know, and then he basically says, chink. Really? He does. And I didn't catch it till I, like when I was an adult, but you know it's one of those things where it's like he, as a artist and having, you know, when they did that, he I'm sure he was like what early twenties. It's a different world. Um. Well, yeah, and then I'm sure with with they're probably coming from like the, um like the battle hip hop or like the, you know, so you're more apt to like clown people and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no, it was, <laughs> he, he just threw it in there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Let that, me, that's, I'm, I'm looking it up just to double. I, I mean, I know this for a fact cause I've listened to it. Uh, yeah. I believe you. I believe you. 
Now, now I'm looking at the lyrics and going, let me have to cut this because maybe he didn't say chink. <laughs> because well, the line, you know, goes like, um, chickity, chickity choco, the chocolate chicken, the rear cock diesel, but cheeks, they were kicking. I always heard it at, but chinks, they were kicking. Cause then, you know, he's already kind of in like the whole, um, Kung Fu thing. Right. But it says, but cheeks, they were kicking, but you know, mm. maybe, maybe the way that this is translated, but while you're doing that, but yeah, the Foo Stickens was total, just like, it wasn't even, it was a, it was an angle, you know, like, you know, talking about wrestling, right. How people are going to take an angle and they're going to be like, oh, they're going to be the Asia, Asia fied ones. But, you know, actually I remember a lot of rap artists were talking a lot about this Asia fied stuff in the early two thousands or early nineties. Well, without, there's, that, there's yeah. that other Jeru song, um, come clean. I think that, did it sample like a kung fu, like a, some stuff from a kung fu movie? Yeah. Well, I remember when I listened to Wu Tang first, the Asian Americans around us, mostly Filipino, that were listening to hip hop, who didn't know anything about Wu Tang, was like, "Yo, man, they're stealing the Fushnikins thing," <laughs> right? Because they were all. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, like Asiafied, quote unquote, and then. You know, I can't say if Wu Tang ever said anything off the wall about Asians. Well, you know, let me go to AZ lyrics and see if anyone else thought it was something else. Well, can you play it? I could. Oh wait, but yeah, it's your mic, the, right? the, fun, <laughs> the funny thing is, okay, on, on AZ lyrics, it's a different line. It says "chickity choco, chickity choco, the chocolate chicken, the rear cock diesel for." Or chicks they were kicking but that doesn't even make any sense i mean i'm you know people sometimes they're just throwing around words but um who bust their rhymes throws are throwing around words no what? i mean like yeah, I'm <laughs> all right i'm gonna load this up we could figure out how to edit this later but <laughs> Like the most daily errand, chuckity choco, the chocolate chicken, the rear cock diesel, but chicks they were kicking. Yo, but now I'm okay. So, listen to it, I, I do hear butt cheeks they were kicking, but I could also hear butt chinks they were kicking. Hmm. Oh man, but anyway, like, did we hear that lyric wrong? It is like that could be like an entire podcast in itself. Yeah, I it that could be a podcast. Yeah. podcast yeah not a not an episode of a podcast yeah. but a, like a legit <laughs> podcast and i think our friend michelle could 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 star could be a, a main host of that maybe we should do that maybe that's our like side uh, our hustle second, pod- yeah our Just side play a song and uh, yeah. try to figure out what michelle hears <laughs> <laughs> still one of my favorite songs and mcs on by the way <laughs> scenario yeah. Yeah. And Buster Rhymes. Buster Buster Rhymes definitely had some bangers. Was he your favorite verse on that though? Um I mean I think at the time, yeah, because it was like the just by fierceness of like intensity. Mm. You know, and then it um 
it had some of the call and response because then he also came in in the second to last verse, right? He kind of came in, warmed, warmed, warmed up the end, and then kind of just cleaned it up at the end. Yeah, there are a lot of good verses on that song. Yeah, did you did you set up your mix your playlist before, or were you just kind of like this hey. one? No, because it was really meant to be like a practice session. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it was like, all right, all right, let me kind of just throw this on real quick. I was like, oh, I might as well record it. Yeah. And then as it was going on, I was like, oh, I kind of liked it. So then I was like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll record some mixes and then just just re-listen and just see if I like how things sound and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of going through and sticking to basically a specific. Uh, BPM, mm-hmm, a specific mm-hmm. tempo, and then, um, you know, trying to stick with obviously the '90s stuff and trying to yeah. kind of stick it on, uh, stay on hip hop to start, and then, uh, then transition to more R and B and like the female, female fronted yeah. tracks towards the end. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that was um that was fun. Hopefully folks liked it cuz I'd like to do more um just here and there. Keeps you know, keeps the skill sharp and gives me uh an opportunity to just kind of download more songs from the record pool and just yeah. practice, you know. Yeah, keep listening. Let us know. For sure, for sure. Um, so you know your your buddy that you said that has his podcast and he's down there grinding in the LA grind. Yeah, is he one of your friends that watched La La Land and had a strong reaction to it? Not that I know of. I don't think. I don't think I've heard. If he has talked about it, I don't think I heard of the podcast where he does talk about it. So. All right, um, so yeah, you let me use that wanted as a to fo- yeah you wanted to follow up. <laughs> yeah, because actually, you know, um, we talked about La La Land in the last episode, and I actually took it out of the final edit, kind of in a because you know we've had conversations before where we've we're either like midway through a a book or midway through a series or midway through news articles and we realize we haven't finished it yet so we can't some of our initial reactions are a little right yeah yeah yeah. you know maybe a little premature or at least just like it's not fair to uh, until you get to the whole thing yeah so at the last recording which y'all didn't hear is that i basically threw a lot of land under the bus and said it was a bad movie (laughs) and partly particularly not so much from the singing or dancing or any of the cheesiness because all that stuff I'm totally down with. But, um, I was, I particularly had some issues with, uh, a little bit of what I felt was cultural appropriation and a little bit of a race issue with how the characters were react, were being positioned in their relation to art and in particular Ryan Gosling's character loves jazz right yeah and then 
the only so it's really Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, right? And I have no beef with either of the characters or the actors, but the only times that black people are part of that movie are dancing or playing instruments in jazz scenes. And but the person who's carrying this torch for the art of jazz and it's this classic, you know, this is the classic jazz is Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And for me, I, I it's I get really frustrated with that kind of stuff, especially when it, during the during the movie, John Legend played this character who is a, more of a contemporary jazz artist, and it was totally not classic jazz, and it kind of made it play off like ja- John Legend's character was the sellout, and Ryan Gosling was was selling out by participating in his band. Hmm. And, and so, you know, in in, the, in our discussion, which I cut out, from I kind of put out the question is like, wouldn't it? It would be weird if there was a hip hop movie, and all of the the surrounding characters were black, and the the characters that were essentially pulling the art form down into the gutter was just the black characters and the person that who's trying to keep it quote unquote real is the white character. To me, that would rub me the wrong way. Right. It would be a little weird. It's like Macklemore. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, no respect to Macklemore, man. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, like eight mile didn't do that. Right. Because all of the side characters had, there was legitimate care. It's one of these things, like even like with the whole, the Bechdel test with female characters, where it, a lot of times if there's in the, in, in a movie or film or a book and their role is only to talk to each other or not, maybe not even talk to each other, but basically react to their love for um, a man, then it kind of feels just really weird and gross. But right, anyway, right. that's kind of a recap of what we talked about in our last recording that didn't get here. So maybe there was a resolution at the end of the movie that kind of cleared up that piece. So I decided to finish the movie since it's on HBO. Mm-hmm. And I kind of flipped through most of it. And so I have my resolution myself for the movie. So one, they didn't handle any of that <laughs> that whole um, white savior of jazz thing. That was pretty much they. That was just who he was. There was no like addressing of that, and so I would still have an issue with that. The other part is, um, I understand the heart of the movie, but some of that race stuff is a little race and cultural appropriation stuff is a little unnerving to me. Um, I could see why people really like the movie from a, from a technical standpoint and from a, from a storytelling standpoint. 
Um, I thought the lighting was really good in the film. Um, and it definitely had a gut punch in terms of emotion at the end. Hmm. Um, and so it did get wrapped up well. That whole other cultural issue thing never did get wrapped up. And that's probably a blind spot for the writer and the producers, you know? Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's a terrible movie. I wouldn't have the same reaction to it as my partner here at home had, but it didn't resolve any of the, um, any of my concerns regarding the cultural stuff. It's, um, it's been interesting kind of following the reactions towards La La Land from my Facebook feed, particularly mm-hmm. like when it first came out and then with through the Oscar buzz, like yeah. um, it, everything was mostly positive. But then again, I think I, I mentioned this the last time too, but like I, I do, I was, I had a lot of friends in LA who, you know, probably that story resonated with them because of kind of their own dreams of coming out to LA and maybe getting into entertainment and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, but then there were just a few dissenters who were just like, it's not all that, or it's like, it's overrated. And then, are those LA folks? Yeah. Like yeah. LA film folks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, um, but I don't think it necessarily called out the, any of the racial problems or the cultural appropriation yeah. problems. Right. Yeah. Um, but then now that it's out on like HBO, I'm seeing a little bit more of like, yo, this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. And it, again, I'm not like, I'm not like drilling into the, their comment section and seeing what people really hated, you know, like to see if there's yeah. any huge discussion about, you know, but then some of them are like, yeah, it, it definitely someone, I think I saw on someone's comment feed it said like i'm glad they got like um they got tricked at the oscars and i was like whoa that's mean yeah yeah see and i didn't have that much that as negative of a reaction to it as obviously hung did and my supervisor actually hated it too but um i didn't have that reaction to it like where it was like straight up like you know and a valid reaction of like yeah i hated this movie right i had just more of like eye rolling like oh my gosh really like you're you really are like tone deaf to the culture um and how you're presenting it it's kind of like you know you the progression of bible-based movies and I can't say I watch any recent Bible-based movies, but remember when Jeremy Sisto played Jesus? <laughs> this was in the. It was for a TV, like a two-episode TV series. I definitely do was, not remember when Jeremy okay. Sisto played because I was at, I was Davis when it was released. Jeremy Sisto, shout out. Um, so Jeremy Sisto essentially played Jesus. Not essentially, he played Jesus, right? So I think it was probably a more modernized version of like the whole Jeremy or uh, Jesus of Nazareth um, mini series that we talked about a few episodes ago. That was kind of like traumatizing. Shout, <laughs> shout out to my mom's favorite movie. Yeah. So 
you know, I, I, I would, I think Jesus of Nazareth when that mini series, and it was probably from the, what the eighties or seventies, like all the characters I assume were played by white people. Right. Right. And then fast forward to 1997, 98, 99, whatever it was. Um, Jeremy Sisto, white actor was playing, you know, white actor with really dark brown hair um, was playing Jesus and everyone else around him was more olive Hmm. and light brown. Right. And actually even, even um, it's not a Bible movie, but the, x-men apocalypse which we talked about last recording too and i'm not sure if i kept it in but the beginning scene is in egypt right but (laughs) a lot of the actors that they had for the egypt scene were olive or brown or dark brown or light brown but like the main character oscar isaac yeah right and he's even though he is brown he his character was not you know so it's the, it's that thing where people recognize that oh this is a to make this more real we should actually have the communities that were part of this either culture or civilization but then they still cast the white character to be the main focus of it um and that was basically my whole eye roll thing with the the la la land stuff but like I said, I think there was some cool, cool things that they did as a movie music or, or a film musical that um, worked well. But, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm sure it's a well-made movie, like mm-hmm. technically, artistically, it's well-made. But yeah, yeah, the editing was good. I mean, as far as I know what what editing is about, but. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Like, yeah. again, it's the guy from uh, Whiplash. The editing mm-hmm. for that movie was really good too. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I assume it is. But yeah, you know, it's one of those. Yeah, technically, it's good. I think there's some major blind spots culturally, but I did not have the reaction to it, so I wouldn't say it's a horrible movie or a bad movie. It, it would just, I just have major qualms about it, <laughs> and I wouldn't necessarily watch it again. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, that's our kind of my callback update, even though for the rest of the people, I don't think they heard any of... It's not really an update because it's the first time we talked about it publicly. Right, right. <laughs> um, by the way, I apologize if you hear coughing because I am sick. My kid for it because he got me sick. Shouts to Shouts to daycare. Shouts to daycare. Shouts to mucus. Yeah, I mean, I volunteered to... Ginny and I volunteered to watch Malcolm for you guys one day, but you said no because Malcolm was sick. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you want to talk about everybody's golf now or do you want to talk about it later since it's in your dad's moment? Um, we can talk about it now. That's fine. Um, so I bought it. And what's the verdict? I love it, man. It's the Hot Shots Golf on PS4. <laughs> it's awesome. What level are you? 
Oh, I, I'm just like at level six, I think. Okay. Because I've been playing maybe like just one tournament per day. Yeah, yeah. Um. And yeah, and that's it. Have you played online yet? I did, but I just played that um, the open course. So just to get a scorecard into the yeah to yeah. the rankings. Yeah, it's it's like. <laughs> Playing online would probably be more fun if you were interacting with other people or maybe you had friends that you were kind of playing with. Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, you might as well, if you're going to be spending time trying to get good, you might as well do it in the kind of single-player mode so at least you can level up and stuff, right? Right, right. Um, I mean, although you can still kind of level up some aspects mm-hmm. um, while playing online, but how long did it take uh, or... Did you take a long time creating your character? No, the first one I made, I kind of just flipped through the character creation process. And then eventually I went back to create an avatar for Malcolm. Nice. And I've had to go back a few times to kind of edit stuff. And I realized after my first first creation of the avatar, I didn't choose the, um, the child body. Yeah, you don't get that right away. So I did the same oh, thing with Ellis. Okay. Yeah. That's why. Then I didn't do it incorrectly. It was just not an option. Yeah, it was an option. We I, I did we did the same thing when we made Ellis. And then we unlock the child body and I was like, oh shit. Oh. So then I went back and remade Ellis. Oh maybe if that's the the second versus character. Is that when you when I think so, yeah. 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 I think so. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't changed it too much. At some point, when I get the proper wardrobe, I'll make him make it really fit what he wears all the time. But um, I don't know if they have um, Golden State Warriors <laughs> uh, outfits, though. No, they may not. At some point, hopefully, they they allow for like uploading of of images like you do on NBA. Okay. Speaking of Golden State Warriors jerseys, what do you think of the um, the community? The new one? O- Oakland jersey. That's dope, man. What do you think? It is dope. I yeah. love it. It's like the best, it's the best um, alternate jersey in the league. Yeah, it is. I-, I was thinking actually about it today. I'm like, I'm not sure if other people would understand it if they've never been to Oakland and how iconic the Oak tree image is now but it really is dope um i was talking to dave about it last night i went to his house to pick up the rest of our frozen milk oh right and i actually i like a lot of the the nike jerseys me too i do like them also yeah i think in general the the styling of like the um the arm um, I don't know what you would call it. The cutouts of the sleeves are different than the Adidas ones and the trimming. Yeah. The lining is yeah. different. Um, but like the Brooklyn one and Indiana Pacers one that we were talking about, Dave and I, those are really like clean designs. Yeah. I also like the um, the black Sacramento one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know what I love about kind of the Nike and doing the jerseys and is that the NBA decided that like the team can choose. <coughs> There's no more like road and away. Like you're not, mm-hmm. you're not wearing the color when you're away or you're not necessarily wearing white at home. Like, mm-hmm. um, obviously you can still do what you want, but like, and I think it makes it just like soccer or, um, club soccer. Like you have the home iconic Jersey, like Barca, Barcelona is always going to be, um, like that vertical red and blue. And they can yeah. even wear that away as long as it doesn't clash with, um, you know, as long as it doesn't clash with the, uh, the, the home team's uniform. So right. I think it's super tight that like both teams can wear their home if they want to, or yeah. their away if they want to, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. Like, uh, when Tess and I got together, like, I had no problems with basketball jerseys. Like, mm-hmm. um, if it was hot, I'd wear it. You know, I'd, I'd wear basketball jerseys with like a t shirt under because that's kind of how it was. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was, especially in the, early 90s and whatever like that was that was the style like yeah. UNLV uh running rebels that was like it was dope and I would always wear basketball jerseys with like a t-shirt because I didn't think it was that big of a deal and then um I got with Tess and she was like <laughs> I don't think guys should wear basketball jerseys I was like what do you what do you mean she's like well are you gonna play I was like no you're just gonna wear it out like it's like it looks stupid if you have a shirt under but you know it also looks inappropriate if you're just wearing a basketball jersey out mm-hmm. with, without like a you know and you're not gonna play so then I, I stopped buying basketball jerseys after we got together because i was like yeah i guess so i guess that that does make sense and you know maybe if i was more fit or if um you know, I had sweet guns like Emery Chen. Yeah. Shout out to Papa Emery. Um, he 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 is he he'd be nicknamed the Second Amendment. Yeah, we call him Taiwanese Atlas. <laughs> um, well, maybe I call him. <laughs> I don't want to say we, but I, I, I try to get that name to stick, but I don't think it did. Maybe she just wear jerseys anyway. Who cares what Tess says about yeah, fashion? <laughs> that's true not about other stuff listen to her about other stuff but I mean I, I mean she is one of you know the most uh, she has a really good eye fashion fashionably but at the same time like who are you trying to impress where where that, that's where your jerseys that's true jersey? yeah that's true <laughs> what's up Tess <laughs> <laughs> I wear a jersey almost every day because I rotate them for my basically my home clothes mm, that's so I'm, cool. I, yeah actually i don't ever wear jer- the i have basketball jerseys but i've i rarely ever if ever wear the basketball jerseys to play basketball because i think it's actually more tacky to wear the basketball jersey playing basketball than it is to just wear because because you want to wear a jersey that's so true. I'm I'm completely on the other uh, other spec 
the side of the spectrum than Tess. Because you know how it is, right? Like, you know, if you wear a jersey to, to Newark Hoops, shout out to Newark Hoops and all our um, friends that up their games. Um, you'd kind of be kind of look silly, right? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not as not as silly as the calendar boys going shirtless. Well, I mean that's that's true. I, I wouldn't call it silly. I think that would just that's just um, part of you know Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but... <laughs> I mean, I've definitely worn a jersey to play basketball. I mean, I have too, but I wouldn't. But wear it's not it regularly. comfortable. It's not comfortable. Yeah, I, I, I've worn you know, dry fit style tank tops to play. But, um, yeah. Well, I I think it's like a little tacky if you're, if you're wearing the jersey of a, like a front runner, <coughs> like an MVP candidate. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd be pretty tight if like you go on the court Wearing your Donald you, Foyle jersey? Nah, man. Andre Kirilenko. <laughs> AK-47. Hell yeah, dude. Um, You know, sometimes I go on eBay and still look for, like, an Andre Kirilenko jersey. Um, he's my favorite player, man. He's like Draymond Green um, mm-hmm. 1.0. Those kind of jerseys. Oh, I, I also wanted to get a Carlos Delfino jersey. Uh-huh. Either the Argentine uh, Argentine national team or um, the Pistons, Detroit Pistons, but yeah. um, I don't think they ever really made it. Or if it was like I, a limited run, and then it was like hell expensive, and I was like, "Yeah, nah, nah." One of my favorite jerseys that I actually have, even though and my cousin has it right now because she's uh, hopefully she's um, trimming it for me because it's way too long. I bought it on eBay. Um, and actually, you know the pictures of Malcolm that we have for his monthly things for his first year? Yeah. The city thing? That was a giveaway at a Warriors game. And so this eBay bundle that I bought was that, some Beedrin's poster, and some Warriors shirt that I gave to my dad. And the jersey was of a slightly used but totally embroidered um, Beedrin's jersey. Dang, and um, once it's tailored, I I would probably wear that because Pigeons was one of my favorite players during. We believe, I mean, they were all my favorite players, but I kind of like Pigeons too. Before he like you know with Baron, he was he wasn't great, but he he was really good at what he he did. And then when you have a bad team with bad point guards. A dude that's just you know garbage, um, garbage buckets and stuff, and alley oops. Yep. You know he has no chance, and especially with Nelly kind of getting in his head. But anyway, Beedrins, I got your back. <laughs> this Andre Kirilenko like replica jersey is going for ninety bucks. What? I went through a phase actually in the. <coughs> early 2000s where I would look for jerseys of players that were just kind of like B-level. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
kind of yeah. like go well because for one they were cheap right and then it was kind of cool for like people to be like why why does he why does he have a bonzi wells jersey like i had a <laughs> like i had a bonzi wells blazers Portland? Jersey. yeah oh, shit. you know and then like if i still had that now that'd be pretty dope right like yeah and i had a yeah. um like jerry stackhouse pistons jersey mm-hmm. um i had a rasheed wallace bullets jersey in high school that was i wore that to Sadie hawkins ends. nice did you wear it any other time eventually like just like hanging out but then it wasn't like it was too red and you know like way yeah. back then it wasn't really a smart thing for filipinos to be walking around in really bright red right. or really super blue stuff so that's true that's true um who else did you have jerseys of well i had some kind of like outside marquee marquee players right like so i had a dirk dirk newitzki jersey yeah um the blue dallas the the blue dallas one i had um a white paul pierce jersey um and i think that's it and then i had like the ugly black black brown and blue or purple um under Kirilenko jersey. Mm. Uh, yeah, the Jazz just had ugly uniforms. But I just liked the I liked him so much that I just had to get a jersey. And like yeah. now if I was gonna get a Andre Kirilenko jersey, it would be v. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Brooklyn one there, but um, Oh But no, like I would get I would definitely get the Utah one, but like using the 1980s logo, yeah like the caramel like the yeah. white with the purple jazz and the yellow and green ball or whatever and yeah. the, the j like i would get that one not the snow mountain one no nah, not the snow yeah. mountain one um yeah my my uh the jersey i always wanted in that era was uh the jalen rose nuggets jersey the number five mm. which i'm looking at right now it's a there's a youth one that's for $20 and I'm like tempted to buy it for Malcolm, even though, you know, he's not going to wear it for many years. No, but you know, actually my, my favorite players have always, not always, but going back, it's my favorite players. Haven't necessarily been like the top guys. Why did you like them? Like, I don't like, know. Like, who's one? Whatever. Who's one? One was like well, Sean BJ. Elliott before Sean oh, Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. Before he was an all-star. Like, I was hella into the Spurs because it was Sports Illustrated. I think we talked about this in the yeah, first episode. Yeah. And then Sean Elliott was my favorite player. And, and so, like, I had this, like, you know, my jump shot in high school was a little, it took a little bit too long to get up there. But then I always, like, rounded up the shot because of strength and also, like, would release high. But I would release high because John Elliott released high, right? Mm-hmm. Like his form. Um, and Jalen Rose was one of my favorite players for a while. I mean, Spreewell was my favorite players, one of my favorite players. So that kind of he was all NBA, so that kind of is different. But 
like for we believe i love baron but i think one of my favorite players outside of beaches was matt barnes yeah i couldn't stand matt barnes i love matt barnes i, I like his what he represented in the, in the on the basketball team in terms of like his sure sure he's just he's sure. just like the ultimate um role player like he'll pass sometimes he'll hustle for a rebound he'll make yeah. a shot here and there i'd want to play like matt barnes yeah um including like the bonehead bonehead like <laughs> assist that he thinks he could get like yeah. that stupid bonehead pass that during a critical during a critical moment of the game where like the yeah. tide could turn but then it's a turnover like including that yeah. right like this is my favorite this is my i can make that pass <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like in baseball with the a's during the during the like tahada eric chavez years as as much as i, I loved a bunch of the players my the jersey that i got was mark ellis just because i just Loved how he just stepped up all the time. And, like, who had a Mark Ellis jersey? Yeah, I don't know. You did. I did. That's why, you know, I, I did throw an Ellis in, in our name pool once um, we were trying to name Malcolm before he was Malcolm. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it wasn't really for Mark Ellis, but I just liked the name Ellis. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So we're glad you guys have an Ellis. I'm, I'm on eBay, by the way, looking at um, Jalen Rose jerseys. <laughs> nice. Okay, so John, and uh, since we last chatted, um, anything of note that you've consumed that you want to discuss? I do. And one of them, so this part, part of this week, Kung was out traveling for work. And usually what I do when I, when she travels for work is I catch up on movies that I know she has no interest in watching. And usually that's horror movies. But um, since Google's been sending out codes for discount rentals actually and also t-mobile tuesdays they send out a bunch of discounts for voodoo i rented kong skull island a few weeks ago and i hadn't had a chance to watch it and i watched that the other night um and it's kind of silly <laughs> but i i would definitely watch a sequel of of a movie like because they definitely set up for a movie um, or for a sequel. Um, it was kind of... Have you have you watched it? Uh, I saw part of it um, when we went down to visit some friends. Uh, my buddy put it on, but yeah. it, it was late. Yeah. And I fell asleep halfway through. But, yeah. you know, it, it seemed like a movie that would that would have been fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know, I re- I don't have a home theater kind of thing, but, you know, our TV isn't small or anything, but it definitely would have been hella fun to watch that in a movie theater. Mm. Um, just because it's a big, silly, stupid action flick, which is perfect for a big IMAX or just watching in a theater. 
with like really loud, obnoxious sound. <laughs> um, have you had you watched uh, like King Kong with Naomi Watts and Jack Black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about it? It was fine. <laughs> okay. You know, like I, I, I don't think it's like. It's not one of my favorite movies. I didn't like buy yeah. the DVD of it or anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, if it's uh, if it's on cable, like, and there's nothing else to watch, I'd probably flip it yeah. over there. Yeah, but yeah, so I watched it. I, that was cool too. So I, I mean, I don't know. I, I did watch like one of the original, or not one of the original, one of the old King Kong movies because I remember watching it as a kid. Um the black and white one you know the iconic right the stop stop motion stop motion animated yeah um so i don't know too much of like the the mythology of it but i guess king kong lives on an island right (laughs) that's what happened in the king kong movie from the jack black one right and so they're kind of doing it and the difference is instead of it being the 19, I don't know, 20s, 30s, 40s era, whenever it's supposed to be, it, they Kong Skull Island was done during like the 70s. Um, and I think the premise I missed this part was that they decided to go to this island to test out weapons. And then all of a sudden they basically pissed off King Kong. But anyway, it was... Uh, the the funny things I, I was nitpicking about it was from a science standpoint, I'm like, why are all the trees normal normal height, but you have these giant animals on this island? Like, <laughs> as an ecosystem, you know, like the the lakes were regular regular depth, size. You know, and the trees were regular height, the mountains were regular height. And like from an ecosystem point, like wouldn't that just throw off? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. That's not like, what. That's not how. That's not how natural selection works, man. Like, right. Like, all these animals are top of the food chain, and how would they last with their? Anyway, so I was having fun with that, and the other thing I noticed is that I felt like it basically stole the. Um, sound part partial part of the soundtrack from um remember the titans and well, it's supposed it. to be in that era right it is in that era <laughs> but it's like there's there's a lot of music in it's that a, era it's that like motown all motown no 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 actually it wasn't motown but there was like this um i don't know there's this rock song at the beginning that maybe it's not remember the Titans. i don't know what it, it's maybe it was forrest gump or whatever but <laughs> um I don't know. It was just the fun movie. I, I honestly wasn't paying attention to it the whole time that I was watching it, but it would have been definitely a hell of a fun movie to watch in the movie theater. Um, two things briefly is uh, I, I messaged you earlier about this today, but um, the Rewatchables podcast on the Ringer right. network. It's been on my radar, but haven't gotten around to it. The writers from The Ringer that do the a lot of the entertainment stuff, they basically just watch old movies that they feel are rewatchable. You know, like these are the movies that, you know, we've talked about in the, in the past that just are in heavy rotation. Yep. Or if it's on TV that we 
we're flipping through channels, we're definitely not going to skip it no matter what else we want to do. Um, we should totally rip they, off, rip off that segment or like rip off that pod and do, do some, do some of our own. <laughs> we should totally should because that would be hella fun. And the funny thing is that the, the cool thing is too, is, you know, it's a ringer. So they, they throw in like sports analogies on there. Right. Of course. I think the last three most recent episodes was on point break, which I listened to also cause I love that movie. Um, and then it was, you've got mail and then speed. And in the point great episode, they introduced a, a new question segment called the Dion waiters. He checked moment for the, um, for the supporting actor or actress that, that, um, that played the bit, you know, like basically, was just out of their boots in terms of like um did a good job in there so it's a really fun episode it's a really fun podcast all right i'm gonna subscribe right now yeah i've definitely been on a podcast break i think yeah Yeah. i kind of you know i have two and this is kind of my transition to my last thing is um this week i've been listening to a lot of trap and dubstep really and i honestly couldn't tell you what the hell trap is and what dubstep is the only reference i had to dubstep honestly was the key and peel sketch have you seen it i don't think i have (laughs) basically it's a really short sketch and it's (laughs) the funny thing is it's just really real to at least what, what i've been listening to um Key and Peel, they have a sketch where one of them comes over. I think Key is the guest that comes over to Peel's house and they're listening to dubstep and they play it and it's like building up, it's building up, and then Peel's like, No, wait for it, wait for it. And then then it gets into that really aggressive like um synth like womp womp, you know, like bass and everything where it just kind of blows the roof off the room. Yeah. <laughs> their, their ears start to bleed and all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I never listened to dubstep, but I could totally relate to it just based off what they're experiencing. And then this week, as I've been floating back and forth between trap and dubstep, um that's what it's happening. And I'm like, this is really fun to listen to. <laughs> well, I mean, the way I see it is that dubstep just sounds like what you'd imagine a transformer would sound like when it's transforming uh, into like yeah. from robot into vehicle or whatever. Yeah. In a really intense way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, that's honestly, it's been, I'm like, I can get down with this. I mean, I couldn't listen to it all the time. And I did at sometimes feel like my head was just like hurting from listening to it. But, um, I've been fun. It's been fun being out of my regular, listening zone um well and you know yeah. when um you know dubstep got like really big maybe what f- five years ago mm-hmm. you know and um tess and i were watching so you think you can dance a lot mm-hmm. and that genre of music was like huge for um 
like poppers and animators. Mm-hmm. You know, it was huge for that. Uh, yeah, just because every every routine was <laughs> like s- some seriously like dope performances from animators and like and poppers and mm-hmm. like it's just because of how dubstep sounds that made it like so perfect for that genre. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And it made me appreciate it. Like, you know, I'm not going to go to like a dubstep club or, I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, I'm not going to go to any club, but, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, it definitely made me appreciate like that, that genre of um, electronic music. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that's what I've been listening to a lot. Like, after I drop, I've been dropping. After I've been dropping off, Malcolm. Um, will you go to like Spotify or like Google Music and yeah, and yeah. Do like on Pandora, I just said play Chap Station, and then play Dubstep Station. I was just kind of going back and forth. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's been fun to listen to something else um, that I normally would listen to. And it's definitely, it's one of those um, walking around, like, you know, at work, I work in Chinatown in Oakland. So then I walk everywhere. Um, Having my headphones on and listening to that is um, a different world than other, other music that I'd be listening to or like podcasts. So. It's been fun. Nice. nice. I got shout out. I got shout out. Trapping dubstep for um, <laughs> like I don't listen to modern music very often, but that's I could I could definitely see why people would be hell into it. So I posted <laughs> uh, on the on Facebook a link to this Vox video mm-hmm. that talked about like how the new style of like rap music and. It was super. If you haven't seen it yet, um, it is really really cool. Just like Google Vox and um, Google Vox and like Versace mm-hmm. Versace Flow or something like that. But that's on our Facebook page, right? It is on our yeah. You should go to just go to our Facebook just, page. Just go to our Facebook page and like it and like it, know. right? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, and how, you know, in the same way that dubstep was perfect for these dancers, that like trap music and the trap beats were perfect for the style of um, flow of these newer rappers. Yeah. Um, And it was super informational, man. Like it kind of made me appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go out and download and, and buy all these these artists but like right. it kind of made me appreciate the um kind of like the the artistry behind it and the mm-hmm. the technicality yeah uh, and the musicality behind it all it was, it was pretty dope um cool. yeah and you know i i do have to say like having what like being all into insecure over the past i don't know uh, month, month and a half, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really encouraged me to kind of listen to more current 
rap and R&B. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'll go on Spotify and then there's an insecure playlist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like an official HBO insecure playlist or whatever. It is. Well, I think it is because I've seen um, Issa or the Awkward Black Girl Twitter account. Oh, right. And they'll post it, right? Yeah. But then there's a lot of them of like maybe Mm -hmm. even just like uh, fans who are just updating the playlist for whatever songs that that come out. So I'm not sure which one I'm on, but uh, it's it's pretty cool. Just, you know, again, not stuff that I normally listen to. So it's really forcing myself to um, listen. And, you know, obviously... You know, if I want to stay current with kind of like the DJing thing, I have to continually check yeah. like what's hot on you know, a Billboard or on all the charts or what the radio's playing and 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 stuff like that. And it, a yeah. lot of the stuff is like, you know, I'm not really into, but some of it I actually am. I kind of I kind of dig mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Let's see what else. Um. <laughs> This is something that I kind of wanted to shout out for. It's probably been on our outline for a long time, mm-hmm. but we just never get to it. But um, I just want to shout out the 1 million um, dance studio channel on YouTube. And 1 million is a dance studio uh, in Korea. Mm. And um, they have the coolest. Uh, cinematography for like a dance studio video so it's basically this choreographers from this uh from this dance studio they do a routine to like a current or sometimes older song and then um there's like a really it's a really nice camera it's like it's pretty it's only in their studio so it's not like super dramatic lighting but it's pretty cool and then there's like some camera operator that's on a gimbal so like the moves are nice and smooth and it's it kind of matches with uh the routine and the music and all that stuff um but the dancing <coughs> is like off the hook dude yeah um i'm looking at it right now it's pretty dope it's it's super fresh um there's some like the the female choreographers are like really good the the, the mm-hmm. guys too um <coughs> but if you like dance routines yeah um check out that channel cuz it looks looks really really good um so that's 1 million and you know i think they got um their channel got shut down for a little while because i think they were they were using licensed music um but I think they cleared that up and yeah. Um, yeah, now the, now the channel's like been yeah. back up for a while, but uh, I think throughout the week I'll post some of like my favorite <coughs> dance videos on uh, favorite routines from them. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the last thing that I'm super into though mm-hmm. is surprise, surprise <laughs> Ken Burns. The Vietnam War, Uh which um, just premiered. If you you saw on our Facebook page, I was hell excited about it. Yeah. Um, 
fucking love it. Love, love, Good. love, love, love it. I was on the PBS Roku app, and it had... All of them. All of them. So they're all available. Yep. Okay. And they even have like the explicit language versions. So like the okay. broadcast version doesn't have any swearing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I noticed that uh, there was some cussing in the one I saw. And man, <coughs> it is... There's so much stuff about the Vietnam War like I never knew. Yeah. And what's interesting about this particular film <coughs> is that aside from... The, his baseball documentary, mm-hmm. like, it's the most current thing. So yeah. he's he's actually interviewing people that were there, right? Yeah. yeah. So in obviously the World War Two, he's interviewing like the kids of yeah. people who were there or his letters and exactly. And yeah. what's fascinating about this too is he gets like both sides like he's interviewing people who are fighting in the north vietnamese army like yeah um and you can tell that this project has been going on for a long time because some of the americans that he's interviewing yeah they don't look that old mm-hmm. you know and i'm like wait this guy looks really young to be in the vietnam war but you know you yeah. and it looks like it's shot on film so it's probably something that he like he shot this interview in the yeah. 90s with this guy and then yeah. it's just been like sitting there and he's just waiting to put this thing together and yeah. you know there's probably like 10 episodes of this thing mm-hmm. and they're like an hour and a half each yeah so this is like this is a dream come true for me yeah <laughs> because i will say right now that like i think ken burns is um the most important american filmmaker ever yeah yeah. Hot take? I'm just kidding. <laughs> hot take. Fire the hot take cannon. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously there's like, you can put an argument that, oh, maybe it's Coppola or maybe it's Spielberg or maybe it's like John Ford Mark, or like. Mark Steven Johnson, who who directed and wrote Daredevil and Electra. Yes. But he's he's on that level. Savage Steve Holland, who directed One Crazy Summer and Better Off Dead. <laughs> Um, but yeah like in terms of how important his films are to the identity of America the United States it's got to be Ken Burns man and you know what's tight too Um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh, did the score oh really yes nice so it's pretty dope um and I have to shout out like this one. Uh, how much of you of it have you seen? I only watched like the first um, maybe five to ten minutes of episode one. Okay. Yeah. So I think you might have already seen it, but like they're, you know, the thing about these, uh, like the Vietnam War is like mm-hmm. it was the like the war that was like televised or whatever, right? So there's right. so many images whether they're still photos or video or film Mm -hmm. footage um that we've all seen before yeah right yeah and then there's this montage in the early part of the episode yeah 
where it's all those shots that everyone's mm-hmm. seen but played backwards. Yeah, I was gonna shout that out. Like, the, I, I got to that part, and then it—that's what got me too in terms of like a storytelling standpoint. Yes, dude. That it's like obviously this is intentional. That these are the cookie cutter images that we see that we know of in terms of Vietnam War, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're calling it back to say we're gonna we're gonna. F- flip some of this on his head to really tell the full story exactly yeah you know and then i mean the name of the first episode is uh the title of the first episode is deja vu Mm -hmm. so yeah it was really like there was something (laughs) visceral about seeing all those all that imagery but played backwards and in the context of setting up the story that ken burns is going to tell and um you know i'll admit like some of it is does get dry because you're watching an hour and a half of just interviews and like, yeah, you know, old footage, and I've fallen asleep. But you know, the next day I'll just wake up, rewind it, and just make sure I get it. Yeah. Um, and like, I love it, man. That yeah. All yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, I may. I mean, I definitely want to watch it, and I think I may watch it on my own because I'm not actually. I mean, I'll ask Kung, but there's a part of me that has a hesitation to watch it just kind of from vicarious um, or, or a sensitivity to the the new family members that I have. Right, right. That, you know, they had to live through that. And, you know, like I remember talking to Hung and she was like saying how basically her whole life she never she never heard her dad talk about their fleeing and resettlement experience yeah um and maybe she heard her mom talk about it more but um like there's this like such a thick layer and you know there's a personal side to it and there's also like a uh, a consciousness side to it now that I'm working a lot more with Southeast Asian youth or potentially Southeast Asian youth in um in my work mm-hmm. that um they might not have experienced it but their families have and like this whole like drastic refugee experience where essentially these folks were all the victims and there were all these players that were just oh, not players but like these big nations or armies that were basically yeah making these decisions to tear up these people's lives for the sake which led them to have to leave their land and go elsewhere yeah and this is like real so um it's it's a strange thing because you know i'm not really close to her family i mean we're we're friendly and we i talk to them but it's like you know it's it, that stuff doesn't necessarily define them but it also does you know what i mean and yeah, yeah it's like it's a little bit more personal now knowing that for sure yeah yeah Absolutely. you know like hung is but also like malcolm is is a descendant of that trauma you know yeah like we we have our different experiences immigrating as Filipinos, whether it's us or our families, which, you know, a lot of us came through 
effed up times in the Philippines too, but it was also not from a refugee experience. Right. Yeah. So I'll definitely be watching it with a little bit more, a different sensitivity now, now that, um, my, you know, my married into family, I know that this is like, that was real. To yeah. Them. That was real. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of going back to my initial comment about it's the most recent thing. Yeah. You know, so, you know, he's telling this long, very detailed, very specific story about the certain people that were involved. And, um, you know, Ken Burns, if you've watched any of his stuff, like does a really great job of mm-hmm. kind of setting the, like telling the, the big story and then personalizing it with uh, the individuals who yeah. are involved. Right. And then, yeah. you know, <sighs> these individuals are like still alive or the friends of these people are like still alive. And, and uh, yeah. And I think, how it'll be interesting because of how divisive this war was mm-hmm. amongst like the citizens mm-hmm. and having it come out at a time where uh the country is divided um in a not obviously not the same way, but it's divided. Yeah. It's it's really going to be interesting what the, um, what people take away from it, particularly when it comes to criticizing yeah. the government. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm all about it. I haven't really read much on it cause I'm just trying to like soak everything in, but, mm-hmm. um, obviously all the critics are like, this is it's Ken Burns, dude. Like, yeah, you know, um, but yeah, Tess, uh, Tess is not so into these docs as much as I am, but <laughs> I, I haven't, you know, I, I say I love Ken Burns, but I also haven't watched a lot. I mean, I've watched some of the baseball thing. I, I think I've mentioned it before, but I've, I watched, I should have watched most of the civil war, if not all of it. Cause way back when there was no DVR or DVDs and I wasn't right. re- going to record like two hour episodes for like um, however long that was. But I love that civil war documentary. Um, that was probably one of my, one of the big reasons why I really like history <laughs> Um, my parents were part of that. Cause then, you know, when we would, when we lived in the East Coast, we traveled, and you saw all like the, all the historical monuments and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was built into our kind of like family culture that we were gonna go to these places and kind of indulge in like stuff. And then you know, on the East Coast, especially in New York, since there's so many more museums out there, mm-hmm. that that was just part of our lesson plan too. Um, but when that came out. I was really into the Civil War. Glory is one of my favorite movies. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, maybe um, that's our first one. Yeah, it could. (laughs) 
I'm taking and, um, Last of the Mohicans. I want to say Last of the Mohicans. That was, yeah, I like that too. Side note, what I learned in uh, um, from the Point Break Rewatchables podcast, um, initially the studio wanted to um, wanted Johnny Utah to be played by um, Matthew Butterick. What? Speaking of glory, yeah, you know, no, no hate on Matthew Butterick, you know, but um, that would have totally changed. <laughs> the movie. I can't even see Matthew Broderick <laughs> throwing a football. Well, that is one of the <laughs> that was one of the comments that was straight up. <laughs> um, All right, anyway. this this rewatchable is just right up my alley then for sure. You, yeah, you, dude, you I think you'd have so much fun listening to them talk about that. But um, but yeah, that Civil War documentary was was dope. I mean, just from a learning standpoint. But like you know, when you're talking about like the documentary storytelling that Ken Burns is known for with the whole, I mean, I, I guess everyone does this, but um, I don't, I don't know what the sta- I don't know what the status quo was before he did civil war, but how he used those letters and there's, mm-hmm. and when he was doing that, he was also playing sounds of like, muskets and cannons and the drumming you know so it was a very multi um sensory experience (coughs) um which he doesn't have to do anymore like you said because now most of the people he's interviewing are can be filmed yeah but he still does it yeah and and you know what's really tight too that I've noticed. Um, so the score will be playing in the background, or it'll be like um, a song from the soundtrack. But whoever is editing it, it's much more modern than his previous mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. because like there'll be like on either on the um, on the <coughs> on the downbeat or on the or on the snare. Mm-hmm. There'll be like a cannon firing or like, uh, like I've noticed a few, um, a few sequences where like, uh, a gun would fire on the downbeat and then the, and then it would be like, um, something blowing up on, on the next downbeat. And then yeah. like, you know, and you can, I'm wondering if like, um, if that's the sensibilities from, just kind of more modern editing or whoever he's collaborating with or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's pretty dope. Yeah. And you Maybe know, he... um, just yeah. real quick about like Ken Burns, I, I take this for granted because, you know, I see it all the time in my editing program, but like final cut pro, uh, the editing program I use yeah. has, um, an effect built in called Ken Burns effect. It's the moving, the moving photo. Yes, they have that in iMovie. Oh yeah, so it, yeah, so it's basically when you take a still and then it either zooms in or zooms out or like mm-hmm. moves from pans from left to right or right to left, um, which Ken Burns is known for. Yeah, uh, from all his films, right? And yeah, so yeah, they just call it they just call it the Ken Burns effect, and I was like, mm-hmm. you're legit. If you have like a a particular 
editing technique named after you. Yeah, it's serious. <laughs> I was using that Ken Burns effect a lot on this video I was making. I mean, obviously everyone does, but I was using it strategically. Yeah. Um, with some photos that we had of staff because for some advocacy stuff that we're doing, but um, I was going to make a joke that maybe Ken Burns next um, documentary since he's very much into wars is um, covering the be the definitive and reputable storyteller of um, bad boy versus death row <laughs> because everything else that has come out as documentaries from that quote unquote beef That'd be has tight. Been, like been you know it's been kind of trashy like tabloidy but I mean, it's a joke, but there's a lot there, right? Like if he wanted to cover this, that whole early to mid nineties era of commercial rap. Right. And how it was, it basically changed pop culture and culture in general. You know who could do that? Um, mm-hmm. What's his name? Uh, the guy who did... Is it Edelman? Um, mm. He's the guy that did... Uh, OJ Made in America. Oh, okay. Oh, Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. Oh, Ezra <coughs> Edelman? I forget what... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let me check. Um... He could do it. Yeah, Ezra Edelman. Yeah, he could do it. I hope uh, he does it. It'd be cool. Like, this is the executive producer, maybe like you know, mentor. I mean, Ezra Edelman obviously has his. He he's already got his chops, but you know, have someone that was directly really uh, um, directly affected by that era as a filmmaker. Right. Because realistically, yeah, like I said, all the ones that we've seen that have been created around that era have been. Yeah, it's basically like true Hollywood story. Yeah. You know, like. And and like it's hella conjecture and it's also, you know, there's a there's a bigger story that could be told. All right, cool. You you want to get into some dad moments? Yeah, man. Let's do it. I have a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick. So for me, uh, we, we talked about uh, everybody's golf earlier, but Ginny loves that game, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, at first she was watching me um, play, and um, and then I give her the controls and I was like oh look what you can do you can run around and you know like I I'll have her choose her avatar so she it's her so she's running around right and then as you progress um you get to pick up new skills right like so you can get the cart so you can drive um and I just kind of recently learned how to fish um, so what? one of the different activities that you could do is go to and go fishing. Um, so I got Ginny to do that. 
And then even now, um, she can kind of play the game. Um, you know, like, uh, she knows how to set it to auto impact, which is like, um, a way that it's a little bit easier to play. Yeah. Um, so it's designed for if you just, you know, don't want the super precision or whatever. So she knows how to do that now when she's at a hole. So I taught her how to do that. Uh, she still, you know, needs help on the mechanics and doesn't really aim or anything like that. But mm-hmm. uh, either way, like she'll she'll want to go home. Like, hey, I want to play everybody's golf. So she'll turn on the PlayStation, um, nice. you know, navigate to whatever it is. She knows what the menu system says to change her character. She knows where to go to kind of go online. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows where to go to fish. She knows. Um, what she needs to do. And sometimes I only need to tell her once, dude, like it's crazy. Yeah. And she's three and a half, like, well, she'll be, she'll be four in December, but yeah, like the amount of stuff that she knows about the game and just kind of telling her how to do it once. Yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you can go online and you can play, uh, and then you can just interact with whoever else is online on that course. Um, so I, I posted earlier that like she was playing and then she was uh, ended up uh, meeting a friend or mm-hmm. <laughs> quote unquote friend. And um, she knows how to pull up the like the speech bubbles and choose oh, to really? say like, yeah, I taught her how like, hey, you know, you if you want to say hi to this person, then you can do this and you can select you know, you can do an emoji, you can say hello, you can say nice to meet you. So she knows and she'll like, if she sees another avatar and um, she'll, she knows the button to like wave and she'll say nice to meet you. And I made a joke that like she was catfishing some dude because they were like, they were like running around the course together yeah, and like swimming together and... <laughs> Yeah, I made a joke that she was catfishing, but um Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's uh it's pretty crazy what she knows how to do. Um yeah. I'm super proud of it, right? Like um like she's into it. Um Yeah. Uh yeah. also Ellis has cooler kicks than me. Um I noticed that he has some cool kicks. Yeah, dude, he's got um, he's got some boosts, Adidas boosts, and you know. Oh, I saw that picture too. Yeah, like, like I like sneakers, but I'm not like a sneakerhead, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's certain sneakers that I like. Mm-hmm. Nike Air Max 90s are like my favorite. I do like Adidas, Stan Smiths, and um, actually Rod Lavers are better than Stan Smiths. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a the few that I really really like. Yeah. And then um, I kind of got into wearing like the Nike Freeze, and those are like super comfortable and and stuff like that. But then apparently, like Adidas Boosts are the thing, like Ultra Boosts are the thing. Apparently, they're also really expensive. I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah, they're hell expensive. Um. So yeah, Ellis has some. Um, yeah, and I kind of, I kind of want to get some now because I need to match him, you know. <laughs> um, I have yeah, a funny. No, go ahead. No, I mean because like Ginny had and Ginny and Tess had the same shoes. 
like um, her superstars and her converse? Super, well, actually, I do have superstars like um, like Ginny used to and Tessa's, but they used to have like the same sandals, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. then they had the same converse, Chuck Taylor, yeah. you know, same Chuck Taylors. Um, Ginny has Stan Smiths now, um, so does Tess. Um, but yeah, I need to step up my shoe game to to kind of match Alice. That's funny you say that because then just last night, because um, Under Armour has is having this big like outlet clearance, so a lot of their shoes, I mean, a whole lot of their shoes are on sale, including a bunch of their Currys, and so. I had a $50 gift card for, to Under Armour because I used that for my um, Discover Rewards. Mm-hmm. And usually I would just get it for Foot Locker and then just end up paying buying my own shoes. But it's like I have, I have some shoes that are in boxes that I haven't used yet, like some Currys. But um, I decided just to spend the gift card on his shoes um so he's gonna be after those get mailed in he's gonna have three different versions of curries at different sizes nice in a continuum and one of them is a little bit bigger and so um he'll probably be definitely be walking by then more comfortably and they basically are a match to one of the curries i have yeah man that's how you gotta do it so yeah, I'm I'm with you, although I can't say he has cooler kicks than I do because I just I've spent too much money on some kicks. <laughs> I'm not a sneakerhead either. Like you know, I'm not gonna be like lining, lining up, up for Jordans or yeah, yeah, yeah. I always buy my kicks on like with hella sale and or like gift cards. Hell yeah, Nike Nike clearance section man. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, it was weird like a few years ago when 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 they kind of really went all in on um the Air Max 90s mm-hmm. and I was like holy shit I've never been able to afford these mm-hmm. and then I bought hella pairs all of a sudden you know <laughs> like I was like oh but, shit four colors are on sale let me get them all you know yeah but yeah that's what I was saying they go on sale though that's a good thing yeah and they're pretty I mean they're legitimately long-term comfortable yeah dude all right. Um, I have a really just short dad moment. I was the other movie I watched when Hung was gone was um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. But my dad moment was essentially because, like, you know, this um, sequel, it, was, it wasn't it was the adult Groot. It was the baby Groot. Right. All animated, totally was the spitting image of whatever the Funko Pop bobblehead it was. <laughs> right. <clears throat> right. My dad moment essentially was I posted it on Facebook, but it's like hella true is um he nailed a lot of Malcolm's mannerisms. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, and the thing is I have to check myself because, you know, other babies have the same you know, other worlds have the same mannerisms. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's a, you know it's a baby thing, but like his um 
his looks when he's totally confused and the whole thing about like him um you know like when rocket was trying to teach him like what was the right thing to do like in terms of like getting some equipment and oh yeah <laughs> you know baby Crew was like yeah i got it i got it and he was like always wrong yeah. because like in context you know the babies don't know yeah right that was hell funny like you know one moment they're like hey um malcolm are you hungry yeah okay malcolm are you a are you a um, an astronaut yeah yeah <laughs> malcolm are you um flying right now yeah you know when yes those <laughs> but the thing that was definitely part of it too was um that got me was when um he was cranky and he was going to sleep and you know again other babies do this too but um it really was like when malcolm's ready to go to sleep he just totally settles into my left chest Mm -hmm. yeah and and that scene got me i'm like oh (laughs) yeah so that was my dad moment that was it it was baby groot nailing malcolm's mannerisms yeah for sure I was going to ask you, um, I was at, so my brother and his fiance came over last night to have dinner. And then, um, (coughs) we were just randomly talking about like staying up late and like, you know, they're, they're both teachers. So, you know, they get, they have to have an early start generally. Um, oh, I hear Malcolm. But then anyway, like, you know, sometimes you just stay up late for no reason. I know you, I, I've, I do this. I'm sure you do this too. Just, you know, sometimes watching whatever's online, or whatever's on TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I just stay up late by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily because I want to play video games or because I want to watch something, but it's because it's quiet and it's just like my my own me time you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> like yeah. tess has to go to sleep because she has to work so that's fine um but like alice is down jenny's down and i'm just like holy <laughs> shit it's quiet and it's nice so i'll stay up <laughs> i'll stay up like that extra hour just to have that me time and then like suffer the next day because i'm hell tired <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't do that particularly i mean just from the the reality is that i can't stay up i just hell conk out <laughs> yeah i bet i bet i mean maybe you maybe you will if uh if and when you have uh, kid number two but yeah that's not gonna happen but <laughs> <laughs> hey did you watch the emmys no nah, i was um traveling i think oh yeah 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 <laughs> anything good um shout out to hulu for winning the big one uh handmaid's oh, for tale show. handmaid's oh, tale right, right, right. um yeah. won best drama it won best directing it won best actress best supporting actress it was crazy um just uh like it was it was cool that um it was getting the notoriety uh, you know, cause you know, having, having been, having worked at Hulu and seeing how hard these people work <laughs> and then like, you know, to, for things to fall into place for the handmaid's tale. And it, it just seemed like it was, um, just the perfect timing for 
for them to make that show uh in this climate and then it winning and like it was pretty dope just mm. shouts to all the my former colleagues who were involved whether a big role or a small role because i think uh, everyone was like super proud one of my um uh my close friend and uh she had actually a few friends were and they were on my team and they ended up uh, editing the promo spot that aired during the super bowl right Mm. and i was like man if you're if you're like a editor for like commercials or promos or whatever that's probably the the most exposure that you can get like editing a commercial that airs during the super bowl Mm -hmm. and it ended up going to overtime so it got shown twice right yeah and i was like man what's you know what's what what's bigger than that yeah you know if if that's kind of your line of work but anyway just want to give them a shout because that's pretty dope All right, guys, that'll do it for episode 12 of the Pop Republic podcast. Uh, just a quick reminder, check out our blog on YouTube. Uh, and feel free to add us, Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at PopCulturePod. Once again, subscribe, write a review. Um, you know, we're good, we're good peoples, and we love doing this stuff. So hopefully uh, we keep you guys entertained. Stay tuned for another episode in a couple of weeks uh and hopefully some uh different types of content on the off weeks as well maybe more mixes maybe i don't know fun interview stuff or uh, i don't know we're just gonna experiment for the time being and just kind of see see what sticks um yeah so once again thank you for joining us my name is anton and i'm john and we'll see you next time